That'll do it. The game may be over, but our coverage of Utah Jazz basketball is just beginning. That kid is on fire on catch and shoot threes right now. This is Utah Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Dante drives in and out and bounces to Gobert, and he rocks the pass Presented by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Now, it's time for a complete wrap of tonight's Utah Jazz game on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you as uh, the Jazz fall tonight to the Oklahoma City Thunder 104-90. to Ben, let's take a look at your sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olsen Company, uh, your office technology partner. Jazz tonight shot 40% from the field, 35 of 89, just 26% from three at 8 of 31. They were led by Donovan Mitchell who had 26 points, but it took him 25 shots yep. to get there 10 of 25 uh rudy had 19 rudy was probably the the sole sole player that had a pretty decent night tonight 19 and 17 although rudy didn't get a block shot um joe ingles with nine points did add eight assists bogdanovich had 13 points but he went four of 17 to get to that 13 and then uh, the bench as we noted uh, struggled whereas oklahoma city 47 percent from the field uh ben and just really uh, outplayed the Jazz, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to just jump on the bench because the Jazz failed to score 25 points in every quarter. I mean, you need to have 30-point quarters regularly now in the NBA. That's just the style of the NBA. You've got to be able to do it. Uh, the Thunder had a 34-point third quarter and only scored 104 points. Like The Thunder didn't score a lot tonight. 104 points, I, I, I'll have to look at their offensive rating, but it was not good. Uh, and, and they still beat the Jazz, and we're up 20 late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. When you can't score 30 in a quarter, your offense is struggling. And the Jazz didn't get past 24, and that was the first quarter. 43 in the second half, 43 total points in the second half, 21 points in the third, and 22 in the fourth. And you're right, Ben, uh, they were down 20 for most of the the second half after they started slow in the third quarter, and this game was was over, and uh, it, it, it was... You know, you looked up the the Jazz weren't quite down twenty at the end of the third quarter. I think Donovan what hit a late three, something like that. But you yeah. looked up the percentage of or whatever the percentile win it, probability. There you go. Thank you yep. of, of winning the game down twenty at the end of three quarters, and it's you're going to lose that game ninety nine percent of the time. I mean, it was over. It was over. Going into the fourth quarter at home against a team on the second night of a back to back, it's just it's been a brutal stretch for the Jazz, and it's it's gut check time. I mean, it really is. This is a team that. You know, early in the season, we talk about chemistry. And, and yeah, you're without Mike Conley tonight. And that mattered. Like, that really matters when you're playing against Chris Paul. You need to have your own near all-star level point guard on the floor. And the the Jazz didn't have that tonight. And that had an impact. But it's more than that. I mean, there was... It was more than missing Mike Conley tonight for the Jazz. All right, let's go down to the podium where Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder is addressing the media. Well, you know, generally speaking as well, we've clearly struggled over the last several games. Um, You know, in... A number of areas of the game, um, defensively, um, you know, without getting getting too technical, because um, I, I want to. I think there was a number of issues throughout the game that, um, you know, don't doesn't fall to one particular thing that you point to. We just we've got to, you know, I think we're we're better than that defensively. Um, 
their quickness, you know, is is a strength of their team. And, you know, we've got to be really connected in order to defend. And, you know, that means everybody doing their job. And it's kind of a, a chain reaction at times. But, you know, there's we're, you know, there's nothing about our team that doesn't, um, you know, own the performance. And, you know, I'm, we're going to keep working and, you know, see what we're doing and, and do it better and try to improve. That means, you know, there's no easy answer to that other than hard work. Ryan North. Hey, um, obviously you said you've struggled over the last few games. Have there been different things that have been going on or is it all kind of the same issues? Well, every game's different. Every opponent's different. You know, tonight, um, OKC is very different than, say, Philadelphia as far as how their their team is put together. And, you know, we need to adjust to that game to game. And we haven't, you know, been able to do that on the level that we need to. But, you know, like I said, there's nothing, you know, there's nowhere to, um, you know, you have to, Look at the group. The coaches have to. The players have to, and, and keep working and, and get better and um, start playing better. When the going gets tough, guys naturally, you know, want to step up, want to make plays, and things like that. Is there any concern that maybe that bleeds into guys maybe getting a bit too far outside the team ethos and trying to do a bit too much themselves? Yeah, you know, I think that you know that's guys trying to make plays and. Um, Oftentimes, someone trying to make a play leads to someone else having a play. And um, in many instances, um, you know, they they made it hard on us, is what I'm saying. Defensively, I think they got into us, and that requires us to to be even more connected. And that's something, you know, we're, I think, we're aware of and need to work work harder and, and move move further in, the, in, in really the respects you're talking about. and But there's, you know, I think there's a lot of things that can contribute to that. Um, and we need to look at them and, like I said, keep working. And it's I'm kind of, it sounds redundant, but it's because it's true. Right here in the front row. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, went off tonight. Uh, can you speak to the difficulties uh, you guys had defending him? Yeah, I mean, he... he what is he, 11 for 21? So um, he played very well. He played very well last night. He's playing well. Um, he's a difficult guy to cover because of his quickness. Um, he hurt us in a number of situations after switches. You know, he was able to get to his mid-range. Um, so it's, um, you know, hats off to him for the way he played. Um, he's, a, he's a tough cover. Quinn, you spoke about uh, Oklahoma City's defenders kind of getting into mm-hmm. you guys and, and making it difficult. How do you feel the offense performed overall? Were you happy with the shots that were that were taken, just no, I mean, not going we, in? The, you know, things can get stagnant, and sometimes pressure creates that. And we're in a situation where you're trying to use pick and roll to, to attack. Um, I thought early in the game we really attacked the rim. And then we got him some situations where we, you know, we had some great looks and missed them. And, you know, as the game progressed, it got harder. And, you know, we, we still had some looks, but, you know, our decision-making, you know, collectively, you know, that's where we need to come together and help each other on the offensive end because, you know, against a team that's pressuring you the way they were, um, that puts a lot of pressure on, on the guards to make plays. And, you know, that, that's... 
that's the reality of the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, we need to impose our will on the game on that end. Okay. One more. Sorry. Uh, is saying that you guys miss Mike Conley, or is it a little deeper than that? No, I mean, it's hard to... It's hard to evaluate the impact, you know, of a player of Mike's caliber. You know, certainly that, um, you know, you always, you know, miss good players when they don't play. But um, like I said, we, we need to play better. You know, there's nobody that's, that's, you know, fooled by that you know, as far as the coaches and the players in the locker room. And um, you look at the things that, that we need to do better. Some of them you guys have mentioned here. And... Um, try to work towards them and, and correct them or improve them. All right, that was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, and uh, you heard him talking about Mike Conley uh, during those comments, Ben. And, and Mike, you know, he's been a little hit or miss at times this season, but they certainly missed him in a game like like tonight. And, and we can talk about the bench a lot, but they were short a guy. They're short, a short and important guy. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, their best point guard. And that's a that's an important thing when you're going up against Chris Paul and, and certainly when you need a calming influence. And that that's what your point guard does. I mean, your point guard... When your first action isn't there, you want it to be a guy who can kick it out and you know, hey, we're still going to get a good pass or a good shot late in this clock. And and I feel like there was a lot of times tonight the Jazz kind of got into some late clock scenarios and it's just, you know, that's how you get an 88 overall offensive rating and only score 90 points on the night. That's that's getting to too few of possessions and then getting bad shots in those possessions. And I, I felt like that happened a lot tonight. And then uh, the Thunder just torched the Jazz, too. I mean, the, the Thunder guards were great tonight. And Chris Paul was getting into the mid-range, very similar to what we saw T.J. McConnell do for the Indiana Pacers, and then we just pull up and hit a 15-footer and, and just went back to that over and over and over. And clearly there's a weak spot in the defense where the Jazz are saying, that's you know if you're going to go to the paint, you're going to get blocked by Rudy, and we're not going to let you beat us from the three-point line. And if you want to take those mid-rangers, we'll let you take them. And when other teams are hitting them, it's a tough shot. I mean, Quinn Snyder mentioned it. Quinn was asked about how well... You saw Dennis Schroeder play, and Quinn specifically said he hit a bunch of shots in the mid-range, and he went 10 of 21. I mean, that was pick your poison, and, and they, they picked the poison. You know, they picked the worst poison because he was hitting the shots tonight. If he misses a couple of those, maybe it's a different game, but I, I don't necessarily think that was totally outside of the game plan, but that's part of the game plan. I mean, you have to give up something. You can't take everything away from a team, and just so happened the Thunder beat the Jazz with those moves tonight. And you look at the Jazz offense, and, and we you know talk about Donovan Mitchell who had 26 points, but took 25 shots, 10 of 25, one of eight from three, and then Bogdanovich four of 17, three of seven from three. Here's another way they missed Conley. You know we we talked about how all the pressure last year was on Donovan. If he had a bad night, the Jazz were really going to struggle. And then adding Bogdanovich and Conley, you know Donovan could have an off night or a 10 of 25 night or whatever. Uh, and, and in this case, he just didn't have really any help outside of Rudy. But I mean, I mean, Rudy only took 10 shots. He's not of 10. I mean, Rudy is not the type of player, certainly at this point in his career, where he's going to carry an offense. I mean, that's just that's just not his game. He's not going to take 10, 10 shots is, is good for Rudy. You can't easily manufacture 20 shots for Rudy Gobert when right. he's having a hot night. Any night Boyan Bogdanovich wants to take 20 shots, he can. Or if Donovan wants to take 25 shots, it's very easy to do. He can do that. It's hard for Rudy to take X amount of shots. He's going to get right. 10 because of how he plays. It's hard to get him to 20. Even if he's having a great night, and that's you know that that's a that's a hard part about having a center like that. And and I'm not saying Rudy's not amazing. Rudy's incredible. Was by far the Jazz best player tonight. Has been the Jazz most consistent player throughout the season. Uh, but you, it's hard to manufacture shots for a guy like that. Right. 
Well, in the fourth quarter, when you need a bucket or yeah. somebody to go get a bucket, it's just not Rudy. I mean, yep. he, he can give you offense. He's he's a big part of this offense. He's Absolutely. just not going to be somebody who carries it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. All right. We'll get you more sound from the locker room coming up uh, right around the corner. want to remind you, go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final tonight, the Jazz fall to the Thunder 104-90 right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night, post-game show. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. It's brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. 104-90 is your final. The Jazz fall tonight at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's take a look at uh, the points in the paint tonight. Brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting. Uh, you do life. Tonight, uh, points in the paint, Ben. Uh, Jazz outscored the Oklahoma City Thunder 52 to 42, which uh, is, uh, I don't want to say surprising, but a little bit surprising. It seemed like the Jazz had a tough time getting to the basket and certainly didn't shoot a terrific percentage, but I guess it just goes to show, you know, those mid-range jumpers uh, Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder were hitting that uh, Quinn was talking about. They uh, don't get counted in the paint there. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Jazz, you know, if you look at the shot chart alone, the Jazz had a much better shot chart than than did the, the uh, Thunder as far as the shots you want to be taking. I mean, the, the Thunder were riddled with mid-range shots and, and, you know, outside the restricted area paint touches. And, and the Jazz had their share themselves, but Jazz took one, two, Jazz took four mid-range shots not in the paint. It's not terrible, uh, but they were ice cold. And they were just, you know, they yeah. hit one. I'm looking at now, if I were to eyeball it, they're probably one of ten on corner threes tonight, which are great shots, you know, and, and you shoot 10% there. And it's just... They weren't great tonight. I mean, the Jazz offense was just, it just did not go in. And and I, I absolutely 100% believe in the idea that when the ball goes in, regardless of what happens, everything looks better. You know, you, if you run a play perfectly and you miss the shot, it looks like a bad play. Right. For the most part, unless it's so obviously, you know, a great wide open look. And when it goes in, it looks like a great play. So I, I do think some of the, the, the level in which fans are down right now and understandably on the Jazz is because of some missed shots and some cold shooting. But again, Jake, I mean, we were watching the game, and it just seems like even on those kickouts, which were good shots last year, there was a Thunder defender in the Jazz face immediately as soon as the ball gets out there, which means it's it's not getting out there quick enough or it's going to the wrong player or they're not throwing the swing pass. They're kind of passing it around the perimeter too cleanly, you know, honestly, yeah. instead of skipping a player. So it, whatever it is, it, it's not working quickly enough. It's not putting pressure on an opposing defense. Teams don't look all that scared to play the Jazz right now. I mean, they don't. There was never a moment in the second half where it really felt like the Thunder were even remotely threatened that they were going to lose this game. Yeah. Well, when you talk about the shot chart, too, you know, Chris Paul is on this team. When they played Houston a couple years ago in the playoffs, yep. what did them in? Chris yep. Paul in the mid range. I yep. mean, you can, you can take away the statistically best shots, but, you know, great players are still going to make them. All right, let's uh, go down to the locker room where Tony Parks is standing by with Donovan Mitchell. Tony? Don, when shots aren't falling for you guys tonight, how do you prevent that from affecting your defense? <sighs> um, I mean, honestly, we've been saying the same thing for a week and a half. You know, I'm just kind of have a tougher mindset. You know, um, 
kind of get back in transition, find ways to uh, to communicate, you know, and when we don't hit shots, we can let it affect our defense. How important is it to be relentless and continuing to find the solutions to right the ship? We got to find it. You know, we got to find it within ourselves, you know. A lot of it's on me, you know. Um, a lot of it's just trying to find ways to, A, find guys who are open, lead guys on the defensive end, you know, talk, communicate. Like, I take a lot of this on myself. Um, like I said, we'll figure it out. You know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it seems easy because of the person that we have, but you know, like I said, we'll figure it out. Said he felt like you guys were bothered by it on the city's physicality tonight and didn't really respond to that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they just can't take us out of our out of our offense, out of our game. We can't complain about calls. You know, um, we just got to move on to the next play. They did a better job of that than we did. It seems it's one recurring thing. Is, is, it, like you said, the slow starts and having these issues of maintaining consistency <coughs> throughout the entire game. Uh, at some point, is, is this just a mental thing that you guys are uh, trying to fight? I would say, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a here we go again situation. Um, it's it's just one of those things, you know, I, it's on my third time, you know, third year, so I'm still trying to figure things out as well, and I'm looking to my vets, and sometimes they just, sometimes we all just go through things, you know, we don't really have an answer for it, but just the biggest thing is stick with it and trust it. Um, I really got much else to say besides that, you know, I, I got to take a lot of this, like I said, I take a lot of this on myself, you know, offensively and defensively, just got to be better overall. This team has little starts your first two years here. Does this feel different, though? We can't rely on that, you know, this be like, oh, we've been here before, like, um, I think it only feels different because, Honestly, y'all just give us expectations because of who we have and who we brought in. You know, a lot of it is just we got to put in the work in. We said that at the beginning, and, you know, um, the good thing is we're not 19 and 27, but, you know, we're 13 and 11. You know, we got to figure out at some point we can't just sit here and say it's a long season. Um, and like I said, I got to be better as a whole as a leader and as a player. What are you learning as a leader in this situation? Because this is, this is a unique situation. Uh, I don't even know right now, to be honest with you. I, um, I really got an answer for that. Because still processing. Yeah, it's still, still just still stuff you just got to figure out. Um, just take it day by day. Billy okay. Johnny said before the game that when the team's got this many new players, you know, it's kind of inevitable that it's a process, the guys getting to know each other in building mm-hmm. chemistry. But do you feel like it's taking longer than you had thought it would? Uh, for sure. I think, obviously, you want things to gel right away, but... Um, for us, we said it when we first got together, you know, on paper it looks great, but we got to put the work in and got to continue to, to play our basketball. And there are times where we just, we do it and it looks great, and there are times where we don't. And it's all about trust, and um, we just got to have it. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. And Donovan tonight uh, took a lot of shots, um, and somebody needed to. I mean, 10 of 25 yeah. for 26 points. I... I, I Donovan wasn't great tonight and started to play hero ball a little bit in the second half and and it was not what the Jazz are looking for. But nothing was anything else the team was doing. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, that's what's hard about it. And that's where Donovan kind of, you know, gets painted into a bad corner sometimes. And sometimes it's rightful uh, and it seems accurate. And then sometimes like tonight, it's hard to blame Donovan for this offense not being good. You know, it, it, it's it's hard to say that his 10 of 25 for 26 points, I mean, that's still, I mean, I know it's not identical because he he took some, uh, some free throws as well. So his actual offensive rating wasn't great, but the Jazz offensive rating overall was an 88 or an 89. It's one of the four, it's in the bottom 4% of offensive outings by any team in the NBA this year. Donovan taking a lot of shots is probably okay because where else are they going right. to come from?
One thing that Donovan said right there, you kind of referred to the media putting expectations on this team, and I, I get what Dante or Donovan, excuse me, is saying, but I bristle at that a little bit because I know Ben, as as do you, from being around this team and covering it, those expectations were very much internal as well. This is not something that uh, that folks from the outside are are putting on this Jazz team. I mean, right to the point where you know Gail Miller uh, on uh, on the zone, you know, talked about how she believed that she had given the tools to this particular team and to Quinn Snyder and those sorts of things. And that, of course, the ultimate goal she mentioned is, is to win a championship. And she did say, you know, that might not happen this year, but our time is coming. But I guess my, my point is, is that I bristle a little bit when they say, oh, you're putting these expectations on us and that's a difference. And it's like, no, you guys had those internal yep. expectations too. And that's why it's hard, I'm sure, on this locker room to lose games like that because they expect more. And, and again, I don't mean to nitpick what Donovan was saying right there, but I know that these guys believe yeah. that they had those expectations of themselves as well. It wasn't lopsided expectations, right. and it wasn't unfair expectations. Now, may, maybe unfair in the sense that people thought they were going to come in and compete right away for a championship, but that I think that came from everywhere. Right. You know, that came from inside the locker room, that came from outside the locker room, as you mentioned. It was talked about high up in the Jazz. I mean, you know, as far as expectations were real. Uh, this is a team that's expected to be good, and again, I just... I hesitate to hit the panic button. Certainly more willing to do it now, I guess, versus that that road trip because of the teams you're playing on that road trip. For it to leak over into a game like tonight where, again, the Thunder on the second night of a back-to-back. The Thunder are without two starters in this lineup, including Danilo Gallinari, who's their best big man when it comes to scoring. Uh, to, to play this way and have that type of performance is is a little more jarring than I even think those road games were. Even when you were down on the road by 40 to the Thund- to the, the Raptors, I should say, it feels more jarring because the Jazz traditionally are so great at home, and this season have been great at home. So it feels weird when it was this close and, and you know this visual when you can sit in the arena and watch it. But you're right; those expectations were were everywhere. You know, Jeff Green talked about coming here and wanting to win a championship yeah. with the Jazz. So that's it, it, that's not just a lopsided thing. Let's take a look at your assist feature, proudly sponsored by the Larry H. Miller dealerships throughout the Utah Jazz season. Larry H. Miller dealerships is donating. $50 for each assist to Larry H. Miller Charities. We are driven by you. The Jazz tonight had 19 assists on 36 made field goals. Uh, they were led by Joe Ingles, who had eight assists tonight. Donovan Mitchell had three. Royce O'Neal uh, had three as well. And it did not feel, Ben, uh, it, let me put it this way. Against Memphis, it felt like the ball got back to moving a little bit. It felt like they took a step backwards from that standpoint tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know if that's panicking when they when when the team gets behind and they feel like they need to you know over accelerate and they they overcorrect. Down to Tony we go with Joe Ingles. Uh, third quarter and then he kind of got away from me. What uh, what was the difference there? Uh, I mean I don't really honestly don't have too many answers right now. I think it'd be um, be good to go watch the film, kind of see what what we did. I think we we played well in the first half. I think we were down three or whenever we were down at halftime. Um, but yeah, I think I think a little bit the ball movement a little bit. We we got kind of stuck. They were going under a lot of pick and rolls, and um, I, I think they've played as that kind of way for a while. Um, in that situation, like whoever's got it, either got to be ready to shoot or, or kind of make a play. And um, we missed some stuff early, or early in that second half, I think. And um, but yeah, that's the only thing I can kind of really think of I think once we started missing they'll run transition a little bit and stuff like that but um, 
yeah, I'll have some more answers for you in, in the last 24 game, hours. You guys were able to kind of come back though when you when you got down a little bit. It didn't it didn't preclude you from getting back and getting into your offense and and, and playing better defense. This time though, it just seemed like once you're out, it, uh, it just kind of, that uh, intensity just kind of dissipated. Um, Am I wrong? I don't know. That's I mean, everyone's going to have an, an opinion of if we could come back or not. Uh, I mean, last game we. I don't know what the difference was. Like I said, we'll we'll be able to watch it a bit more tomorrow. But um, I think, like I said, they they were kind of going under and like mirroring the pick and roll. And sometimes we were hesitant to shoot it. I know I had a couple. I probably could have just rose up and shot it. Rudy setting a good screen. And yeah, I mean, even for our bigs, it's tough to screen when they're just kind of kind of doing that. They did a good job. And I mean, maybe we shoot that and then make a couple more. They they start going over. You, you don't. Who knows? Kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll ask for me at the next shoot around. I'll give you some more answers. Quinn <laughs> said in post game that uh, maybe their speed caught you off guard a little bit, but with Rudy defense, he always points to communication as, as the first thing. Yeah, I think with everything we do is community offense and defense. Um, yeah, I, I think communication for us, for our team, is is a big part. I think when we're we're out there talking, um, you obviously feel more connected as a group and. Um, the confidence because you know someone's behind you or, or switching or, or whatever and then flip side on the offensive end too when, when we were on the same page and um, we know what we're running we can run it with precision and force and we can get downhill and make plays and obviously being an, an unselfish team we can um, like I said when we're connected like that we, we're really good um, and there's obviously been probably a few too many times this year that we haven't been as connected and um, yeah, it's something that, that kind of flows with, within the NBA season. There's ups and downs, and we obviously had a, a good game after that rough stretch, the last one, and um, obviously some things now we can improve on um, after watching watching the film tomorrow. Is there anything you can point to in particular to maybe help explain those gaps in connectivity that you mentioned that are happening too often? Like, you mean things in particular, or like, yeah, is there any? You know, you're saying that you're having. Too, too long periods of gaps there. Yeah, I think just, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say one thing or, or two things kind of that, are, that stick out that kind of openly or anything, but um, I think just, just little things on both, on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, Quinn's challenged me personally to like free throw line. Usually I'm maybe arguing with the referee or, or something where I can get our team into whatever we want to be in and, and that's on me and um, Little things like that obviously can help us. I, I can do uh, that, make sure everyone knows what we're in, and then we can execute like we want to execute. Um, but there's a, I mean, there's a million situations obviously that we could um, break down. I think, but just just little things here and there, and um, I think that's what we, after that kind of tough stretch, then we had a couple of days and we we kind of really dug into some of those things. And I think we were we were the last game we weren't talking about these little things obviously tonight we, we broke down a bit more and like I said I think the, the offensive end like mirroring those screens and um, us not making a decision either shoot it or, or drive by him kind of thing it's it's that part of it's pretty simple and then make plays like I said we're an unselfish team and there we had I don't know how many turnovers we had a few in the first half I think we were pretty good with it in the second half but missed a lot of shots in the second half that they get out and run and they're, they're a pretty quick team in transition playing four guards and three-point guards, basically.
Uh, last couple of years, you guys kind of got over these stretches, right? I mean, the early season struggles. Yeah. Looking back on those, what was kind of the difference uh, that allowed you to kind of turn the tide? Poor. Um, I don't remember what we did last week. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, it, I guess it's hard because we are a completely different team than what we were. Um, well, we've kind of everyone's, I guess, talked a little bit about the whatever we had ten new guys or whatever it's been, and incorporating them into the system. And um, I think a little bit of that has been kind of our struggles. I think the more we play together and the more we're out there together, practices, games. Um, obviously, I have no doubt that we'll put it all together and we'll we are a really good team. We'll continue to get better and better. And um, yeah, I think as boring as it sounds the more we're out there together the more we're out there making mistakes together and make, making good plays together um, we're going to continue to get better and, and that's just that continuity of being out there together um, uh, as boring as that answer is guys that's Joe Ingles let's go back to you thank you very much Tony what do you think about that uh, concept of continuity with this team Ben uh, first I want to say it's weird that Joe Ingles is talking period yeah, and good. This team needs leadership right now. It really does. And Donovan talked about how it's hard for him to be a leader, and he's trying to learn how to do it. And it's only his third year in the league. Joe is one of the veterans on this team. He's been a leader in Australia. He's led teams before to, to high success. Joe Ingles often kind of sneaks out of the locker room quickly because he just doesn't love the media aspect of it, which is fine. For him to sit down and talk and talk for what five minutes there, six yep, minutes, which at is least very long and give real answers instead of just short answers including saying I don't I don't know what's wrong we got to look at the tape and fix it that's a good sign that th- those are the types of things I think you actually do want to see in this locker room right now tonight uh, and that's a good sign continuity is absolutely an issue and and night and not just year to year I mean night to night the continuity's not there and, and what works one night just has seemed to have no chance the next night you know and, and it, whether it's Confidence shooting the ball, confidence attacking off the dribble, knowing what play you're looking for, you know, knowing how to execute that play night to night just looks totally different. And that's 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 confusing. Want to remind you to go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final, the Jazz fall to the Thunder tonight. 104 to 90. We'll continue to break this one down. Get you sound from the locker room as well. Straight ahead here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. The Jazz fall tonight to Oklahoma City, 104-90 here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Let's take a look at your Master of the Glass tonight. Uh, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert here for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 for each rebound secure by this year's team rebound leader with all proceeds benefiting the neighborhood house. Tonight's master of the glass, Rudy Gobert, 17 rebounds tonight, Ben. He had four offensive rebounds, and considering the Jazz only got seven offensive rebounds all night, in fact, that was something we touched on in the postgame, or you touched on in the uh, pregame show, Ben. Two worst offensive rebounding teams in the league. Jazz had seven offensive rebounds, only to be underdone 
by Oklahoma City's two. Steven Adams is the only player on the Thunder to have an offensive rebound. That's insane. That and he had two. insane. <laughs> we saw nine total offensive rebounds tonight. Gordy Chase, I told you, who, who does the show with you, told me one time that a dead guy should catch a rebound accidentally. He said a man lying in a casket should accidentally have the ball fall into his lap. And that didn't happen for the, uh, for the Thunder tonight. But oh, that's amazing. Especially with as many missed shots as there were. Well, I mean, we've talked uh, about the bench quite a bit tonight. Uh, the the bench tonight, Ben, let's see, three, four, if you don't count Tony Bradley's threes or Tony Bradley's rebounds, they had 10 rebounds off the bench tonight. So uh, maybe that doesn't stand out as much as I thought. Combined plus minus tonight of Emmanuel Moutier, George Nyang, Jeff Green, and Ed Davis. Combined plus minus, they were a minus 48 tonight. Mm-hmm. And the best was George Nyang at minus nine. Well, and then to, to your point in Locke, uh, Locke, Talk to us about this in crosstalk when the starters are not playing well in the third quarter, and then the bench yeah. eventually is added to that. It's just a recipe for a disaster, yep. and then they come away down what seventeen at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah and again, the Jazz starters came out. I think at the beginning of the third, and everyone was thinking, okay, Jazz are kind of limp through this first half. You put it together, you have a big third quarter. I had said at the halftime, you know, if you can go into the third quarter up 10, 15, I thought that was somewhat realistic. Second night of a back-to-back, you thought, okay, you put your foot on the gas pedal, you build up a lead, a big enough one that even if the bench squanders it a little bit, you come back in the fourth quarter with the starters and you win. It didn't even get to that point. I mean, you didn't even get to the point where the the bench had a chance to take it over and really have this thing be close. I mean, the Jazz were down double digits at that point. All right, let's go back down to the locker room. Tony Parks standing by with Rudy Gobert. Tony? frustration. I think you use a phrase along the lines of "we keep talking about doing the same things and nothing changes." Do you feel like? Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like there's frustration? I mean, definitely. You know, we feel like we not playing the way we want to play, and you know, we're not the team that we can beat. You know, so it's uh, it's frustrating, and you know, everyone is all the other teams can see it, and they just come and go at us. So we gotta. We, we 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 do it for one game and then we go back to doing the same stuff, you know. And uh, or maybe it's just because when we get tired, we just forget about what's what's important and we we fall back into our you know our demons, like we can say. What's the process of changing that? I think we just gotta stick together, uh, and it's gotta be communication. You know, we gotta be honest with one another, and uh, and you know, even if it's hard, you know, even if it sometimes. You know, it's a little harsh. Uh, we gotta do that, and you know, I think that's the only way to move forward. So, what specifically went wrong tonight? I think, uh, you know, I think we have some stretches when we move the ball, and and it's almost magical when we move the ball offensively. We we play better defense because we're more connected. And when we stop moving the ball, and we, you know, we we stop sharing the ball, we our defense becomes uh, just not as good. You know, we have more breakdowns. We don't communicate as well. We we give up transition baskets because we we, we take uh, not as good shots. So it's uh, I think it's a cycle. You know when we play good defense and we communicate and offensively we share the ball. It take everything takes care of itself. Rudy, you mentioned kind of maybe things breaking down a bit when guys get tired. The, the right decisions maybe aren't being made. What it, what if anything can you do to kind of drill that and, and kind of work on that? I think when we're tired, it's it's a good way. It's to even move the ball even more. We got a lot of talent on this team and you know we can use anyone. Like just we got a lot of guys that can create. We gotta move the ball and you know and, and, and focus on the defense and make sure we communicate with one another and 
if we're even more tired, if we're tired, I mean, we weren't on a back-to-back, they were on a back-to-back. But anyway, if we're tired, we gotta, you know, make sure that we don't put ourselves in a position when we gotta turn the ball over or, you know, we, we gotta run back on defense and, and do all this stuff. We gotta be a little more aware of it and do it as a team. You mentioned on Saturday that the physicality needs to go up another level. And then Quinn mentioned tonight that he thought uh, OKC's bothered you guys with their physicality. Do you think, uh, why is that still a problem? Every team is being physical with us because they they watch the game. I mean, teams that watch tonight, they're going to they're gonna see that every time someone is physical with us, they, they, they just take us out of what we want to do. So they're going to keep doing it. It's on us to, you know, to be tougher mentally and physically. So what, what specifically can you do to combat that? Move the ball. It's a good step and do it with force, you know, and then defensively, same, communicate and be physical. Are there things you do in practice to practice moving the ball or is it just yeah. like a decision, yes or no? We do it every day. We do it every day and uh, I think it's going to come, you know, we just got to keep communicating with, with each other and, you know, keep keep having the right mindset and, uh, you know, those habits are going to come. Are you surprised that it has taken this long to kind of get connected on the court with the I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, it's, uh, it's the NBA and, you know, when everything comes fast, when the season starts, you know, it's uh, it's it's never easy. You know, it's uh, it's always a process. So, it's on, like I said, it's on us to keep working on it. And, you know, and it's only early in the season. So, we got to stay positive, keep working on it, and the rest going to take care of itself. Thank you. Guys, that's Rudy Gobert. Thanks, Rudy. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Rudy Gobert talking about not not surprised they're not necessarily as connected as maybe some fans out there. Not as surprised as some fans out there are are surprised. But you know, Rudy has always struck me Ben as, as a little bit more of a realist. He's he's a little bit more grounded. Doesn't get as high. Doesn't get as low. Well, sometimes a little low. But I think you know what I'm getting at. The, interesting to hear him answer that question that way. He tells the truth. He really tells the truth. He does not have any problem telling you. You know, being a straight shooter, and that's it. It, it is refreshing. Not that I feel like anyone else is lying, but it's nice. You can go to Rudy, and you can get a you know an accurate uh, description or uh, you know uh, examination of what's going on with this team. The one word, Jake, that everyone we've talked to tonight, and that's Quinn, it's Donovan, it's Joe, and it's Rudy. Now they've all multiple times used the word communication. Mm-hmm. This team's not talking to each other when it's on the floor, and that's why they're. Getting backdoor. I mean, how many times did they get backdoor tonight? And we saw it against the Lakers how often they were giving up that backdoor Bad. play. Yep. Clearly teams realize, hey, that's susceptible. This team's not talking to each other, and, and we're going to backdoor them. And that's that's wh- wh- when they're talking about being tired and, and losing things defensively, I mean, that's what they're talking about. They're, they're talking about the lack of attention to detail of saying you get tired and you start ball watching. And then teams are just killing the Jazz yep. like that right now. So interesting. Interesting to hear the, the, the players and, and the coaches talk about the team not communicating at all and that's that is fixable you know guys can learn to talk to one another and maybe you know that they haven't been big talkers in their careers but you got to do that you you have to and you, you've got to get back to doing it maybe they need a, a good old night at the escape room or something <laughs> something you know? a team bonding yeah, experience right. maybe one of those types yeah. of types of situations well, that's what i you know the, yeah, like a rope course out there at camp uh what are the uh, out there um in southwest part of the valley uh, yeah. what is that uh camp williams is that right? I thought anyway. the five-game road trip might be good for that. And because they got blown out in three of the four games and, and you know, lost the tough one to Milwaukee, maybe you just didn't have the, you know, the, the spirit of, of getting that good bonding road trip that, that maybe you'd hope for. Right.
Uh, let's take a look at your three-point takeover sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Tonight from three, Ben, uh, the Jazz were 8 of 31, good for 25.8%. Uh, they were led tonight by Joe Ingles, who was 3 of 6 from 3. Bogdanovich was 3 of 7 uh, from 3. Outside of that, guys struggled. Donovan Mitchell, 1 of 8. George Niang, 1 of 4. Coming off the bench, Jeff Green, 0 of 1. Dante, 0 of 1. Moutier, 0 of 1. Uh, not the, uh, Royce O'Neal was 0 of 3. And you, you look at Bogdanovich, who was 3 of 7 from 3, Ben, and you go, okay, that's not bad. But then he was 4 of 17 total from the field. He was 1 of 10 from inside the three-point line. I yeah, mean, he took a lot of weird, long, mid-range shots tonight, and none of them went down. And he's such a good shooter, I, I want him to shoot. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I don't care that he went 4 of 17 tonight. Like, it's too bad. <laughs> that's how I feel. It's too bad he had a bad shooting night. I don't think he did something wrong offensively right. tonight. He's so good. He's got to come back. And, you know, he can beat Minnesota by himself coming up on Wednesday night. He's that good of a player. He's that good of a shooter, at least. So that's got to keep happening. He can't let his defense slip, which is not his strong suit, when he's not shooting well. Right. That's commonly an issue with a lot of offensive players in the league. And, and we've heard Quinn actually talk about it with the whole team. How they they need to not let one side of the floor affect the other. So yeah, we've seen that be a big deal. All right, uh, we'll get Ben's final thoughts on this one. We'll find out what he's writing about at kslsports.com. Coming up on the other side, go where love takes you in the redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final tonight, the Jazz fall to the Thunder, 104-90, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. One hundred four to ninety is your final. The Jazz fall to the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. It's your Jazz game night post game show. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson of KSL Sports post game. Of course, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Before we put a bow on this one, Ben, what are you working on tonight for KSL Sports? Uh, just looking at where this is starting to go wrong for the Jazz and and kind of the the results we've seen. Now, the impact of Mike Conley certainly w- was felt tonight and maybe masked a little bit because Conley hasn't been going out and putting up 25 points regularly for the team, but you missed him, and that was a small part of what happened, but just in total, this this thing starting to snowball for the Jazz and get away from them a little bit, and, and this game was kind of a microcosm of what we've seen of the season so far, where first half of what we've seen was fine, and they hung around and were, were good enough, and then once it got away, there was no stopping it, and that's going to be the test for the Jazz now. Do they have what it takes as a team internally to stop this from getting away from them because they've lost six of eight and their only two wins are against Memphis. That's, that's not exactly a great sign. Ben, I consider you to be a, a more uh, social media savvy person than I. In fact, I would say most most people out there are more social media savvy than I. Sure. Uh, but, you know, kind of seeing what's going on on Twitter, Dante Exum has become a huge conversation piece tonight online. And I guess I don't understand why tonight of all games that's the case. I mean, Dante played eight, eight minutes. He did a couple of nice things. He also made a... Uh, an egregious turnover that might have set basketball back a few years, uh, but it, but why is that such a big deal on Jazz Twitter right now? Is it because uh, is it because Moutier had such a bad game? I think a, well, a a couple of national guys were tweeting about Dante Exum tonight too. Uh, I saw a couple of people, and actually, you know, 
not hating on Donovan Mitchell, but just, or, or I should say Dante Exum, excuse me, tweeting about Dante Exum and, and his performance and where he is in his career and wh- whether he's going to you know find it. Uh, I think that's part of it. There is this, it's this funny battle between, you know, are you Exum Island, as they like to call it, yeah. or are you, you know, Team Emmanuel Moutier? And it's just like, ideally they both play well (laughs) you you love both your kids you know i'm not saying you have to love basketball players but it doesn't have to be one or the other i don't understand that battle necessarily and uh yeah feeling like dante needs to be stood up for or you know and and root for your team and support your team i I 100 believe in that uh it it doesn't have to be one or the other and liking emmanuel moutier doesn't mean you don't like dante exum or vice versa so i my question for you actually uh, eventually is going to be where are you at on on dante exum you know how you hanging on where are you but but let me let me say how i view him now and maybe this is controversial all right okay where he's got uh, with his injury situation is unfortunate but the truth is he hasn't really had the time or the continuity to really advance his basketball skills. And so at this point in his career, he's not going to be cut tomorrow. He's 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 no. under contract, all right? He's not going anywhere. And I always thought this year was going to be the year that he was going to really have to play his way into the rotation. Okay, nothing was going to be necessarily given to him because he's uh, uh, years away from that number five pick. The Jazz are still invested in him, but he he's his history hasn't been one that you could necessarily count on. You can't necessarily disagree with that, right? So he was kind of like that long shot bet that you make when you're on a, a visit or a trip to Vegas with your buddies, yeah. and you're like, okay, well I'm going to bet this twenty dog un- or this twenty point underdog to win, but I'm only going to put a dollar on it. So if it actually happens, then sweet, you know, uh, uh, sushi on me tonight. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's that's where I'm at with Dante right now. The Jazz really need him, but at what point can you really count on his production? So at, at one point, uh, where I'm at with him is you just hope he gets better and plays his way into the the rotation. But right now, you can't count on that, right? Am, am I way off base? Well, nothing Quinn Snyder's doing is saying that you're wrong because Quinn Snyder's not relying on him. Right? You know, he played garbage minutes tonight when the Jazz were down twenty. He's played. So the 10 games he's been back, he's been back for 10 games, I guess 11 tonight. Uh, it's not updated yet at Basketball Reference. But before tonight, the 10 games, he'd played an average of seven minutes a game. Okay, To be a rotation player, you've got to get 10 minutes or more. You know, you, you've got to really be in there for basically 25% of the game. Uh, and he's not getting that. Right. So he's not a part of the rotation right now. So I, I don't think Quinn has said that, hey, Dante, you're not a part of what we're doing. But where he is right now is not in the timeline of what the Jazz are trying to accomplish today. Now, I'm sure they're trying to work him back, and they would love to get him back to the level defensively that we've seen him play at. And his ability to get easy baskets in transition would be something the Jazz could really use. But it's not where he is right now. Whether that's rehab-related, whether that's missed so much time-related, he's not in the rotation. I, I don't, there's not an argument to be talked about here. I, I, I have no problem talking about Dante Exum, but there's no evidence that the Jazz are doing something different than what you're saying is going on. Right. He's he's not in this rotation right now. At all. Like, I get that you see him on the floor. He's not playing important minutes. Right. So there's not... The, the Exum crowd is seeing something that doesn't exist. If that makes sense. At least currently, right? At least today. And, and it's... Listen, the Jazz need bench players. They need yeah. they need assistance from there. It's not like... It's not like the coaching staff would... would 
purposely hold him back from helping the team. So right. I, I guess that, that's what I don't understand about the controversy. That's helpful. You explain some national guys weigh in on it, so maybe yes. s- stir up the stir up the controversy a little bit. But I, I got to admit, I, I w- and it's not. I don't necessarily mean to be overcritical for Dante because young players need to play, and if you're on the sidelines with a serious knee, shoulder, what else has Dante yep. gone through? Ankle. Knee, shoulder, knee twice, knee and a twice shoulder. and yeah. a shoulder. I mean, he's not playing, so I I feel bad because he was a player with all this athletic potential that needed time to hone the rest of his skills, and he he hasn't had that for the most part. And now he's in a position in his in his career where the Jazz are not. When he started with the Jazz, they were a team like, hey Dante, go play twenty five, no problem, go work it out. They're not that team anymore. He's he's always good. Was going to have to play his way back into the rotation, and I hope he does. But to to lob all this criticism the coaching staff way, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I think everybody listening to the show and everybody in this franchise is 100% pulling for Dante Exum to be a really good player. But you can't just say, hey, Dante, get out there and win one for us. I mean, that's just not where he is. Yeah, his injuries derailed the timeline that made sense with him becoming a top five player on this roster, where he played those last 42 games of his Rookie season as the starter replaced Trey Burke and the Jazz went on that big tear and almost made the playoffs and it was great. And then he tore up his knee in the offseason playing with Australia and missed the next year and then came back and played a little bit and I think that was his shoulder. And the Jazz were good all of a sudden because Donovan Mitchell turned into a very good player that nobody was expecting. And then, or maybe that was the Hayward year. I guess that was the Hayward year, the last year when the Jazz beat the playoffs with Joe Johnson. And he was backing up uh, George Hill. And then he leaves... George Hill does, as does Gordon Hayward, and Donovan Mitchell comes in and is this superstar guard that is what Jazz fans wanted Dante Exum to be. Right. You know, and they didn't need him anymore in that role. So he had to become something else. And and then he's been hurt again, and it's been hard for him to figure it out. So his timeline and his injuries have just not, they've never matched up with what the Jazz are doing. And that's too bad, but you can't play him for 35 minutes right now and just say, well, we're going to learn. We're going to suffer through those injuries. He only got 42 games in his career to do that. And that's unfortunate. It's actually good for the Jazz because that means they weren't a lottery team for five straight years. Right. It, that's awesome. Uh, that's much better than the alternative of being a bad lottery team waiting for Dante Exum to develop. So it's unfortunate. He's one fifteenth of the roster. So I, I don't understand pulling your hair out for that. Right. I, I don't either. So it's good. And right. also, you know what? He came in, he threw some lobs to, to George, uh, no, to, to, Tony uh, Bradley. to Tony Bradley mm-hmm. at the end of the game. And it looked like the offense was working. And maybe fans saw that and said, see, he can do this. Right. And Emmanuel Moudier can't do that. Uh, and they were playing against a team that had given up because they'd won the game. Right. And there's, well, anyway, we don't need to dwell on this, but I'll, I'll be curious to follow how Dante uh, improves. And I truly hope he plays this way into the Jazz rotation because, frankly, they really need somebody. They need more. They need more. They yeah. need another player to step up. There will be an opportunity for Dante Exum to make an impact on this team this year. Now, whether that will come to fruition or not, I, I think is is up to Dante and his health and his work ethic and the coaching staff. But he will have an opportunity to do it. The opportunity's there for anybody right now on this roster who wants to step up and be that guy. The opportunity's there for you, Ben. Adrian, are you a free agent? Uh, you could be the guy. I, I could know. dunk once. Adrian has, he's tall. You dunked once? You could? I used to be able to. Oh, really? Adrian's like 6'6 six, six and a volleyball player. You would expect he's that. Six, six, but he's not 6'6. I'm 6'4. Yeah, he's tall. I can't believe it. You're a volleyball player. Those guys can jump. Yeah, see? Can't Adrian, anymore. Adrian, get, get Adrian a jersey. Where's Tony Parks? He tries hard. Austin Horton says he could he could hit three open threes in an NBA game. So. Oh, 
That's a hot take. I, I love Austin to death, but there is not a chance that that is true. He has to prove it, though. He hasn't had the chance, so. Well, I, uh, well when he does, I'd like to see it. Wait, on an NBA floor, no, he's not going to get that chance. How about on a on a, just an empty floor? We'll give we'll give Austin ten. I hope he's listening. Get to get to three. Shout out to uh, to Austin Horton. All right, Ben, let's put a bow on this one, man. Give us a give us a couple final thoughts. I know this is a really tough loss, but what are you taking from it? Uh, that Boyan Bogdanovich had a really bad night, and that's okay because he gets to have bad nights because he has so many good nights that he's a shooter and, and he's not a Kyle Korver shooter. He's a, I'm going to take 17 shots a game shooter. So when Kyle Korver would have a bad shooting night, he would go one of five. That's what Boyan Bogdanovich did. He just, he takes 17 shots and you have to live with that because against Minnesota on Wednesday night, he's going to go 11 of 17 for 32 points and you're going to win the game as a result. Now I'm not guaranteeing that, but that's the nature of living with shooters and the Jazz haven't had a lot of guys like that recently in their in this franchise. So that is a new adjustment Jazz fans are going to have to get used to, and I think we're going to have to get used to watching this offense because it doesn't have necessarily the number of easy shots. But one of the things Rudy Gobert said I thought that was really telling in this game is teams are watching us, and this is speaking as Rudy Gobert, and they're seeing what's wrong, and they're just not afraid to come in and play us, essentially. I mean, he just said teams see what's going on, and they come in and they push us around, and we give up. That's telling. And Rudy knows teams see it. Other teams scout the Jazz and know that, hey, if we come in and play tough, they're going to give up. That's a wake-up call. That's got to be a wake-up call that you've got to be tough or you've got to find guys who are willing to be tough. All right, we want to say a big thanks to David Iran on the call tonight. Terrific work. Thanks to Tony Parks doing the good work down there in the locker rooms. Thanks to broadcast assistants. Thank you, Adrian Leiser, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Adrian, by the way. Tight turnaround. Adrian, Adrian's going to produce DJ and PK tomorrow. Should starting, I stay? Starting bright and early at, uh, at 6 a.m. The question is, should you sleep? I've been batting that around. Like, do I just do an all-nighter and sleep after Tony and what Austin? What time do you get up to do the show? What time do you do get up to do the show? Uh, 4.30. 4.30. Let's see. That means, Adrian, you're, you're looking at probably... Four hours of sleep. Uh, I've if tr- I fall asleep when my head hits the pillow, which is not likely. But I, I've tried to pull the. Well, I'm not going to get much sleep. I might as well stay up all night, and that rarely goes well. It doesn't go. None of it is going to go well. It's That's probably true. better to sleep. Yeah. Like a good nap in the middle of the night. Like a good, like a good solid nap. And and here's what you got to do, Adrian, because I know you're a coffee guy. Just and I know you're a Starbucks guy, but tonight only. I mean, fill your your coffee pot or or whatever that thing is. Fill it full and set the timer, and just make sure you've got like sludge. Yeah, I've been going the timer you, route lately. Yeah. Make sure you've just got. I mean, make sure it's like barely liquid coffee. I mean, just straight sludge when you get up in the morning. So happy Jake's on vacation. Yeah, you hope it's raining at Disneyland, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, is that where he is? Yeah, good for, good for Jake. We all need hard. vacations. He did the whole football season. Hatch has two young kids and works the morning shift. Yeah. Right. Does, he deserves does it. Does he do Friday night high school too? Uh, he has, yeah. That's not to mention covering BYU and doing BYU RSL. podcasts. And then and, he does the morning show. And then the morning show, yeah. So, you know, Hatch deserves a vacation. Absolutely. Go Glad he's buddy. taking it. No doubt. Sorry for you, Adrian. That's all good. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, we're, uh, I'll send good vibes to you from my, my pillow. All that matters is getting up. That's the battle. That is that is the battle. I uh, also want to say thanks to our title sponsor of the post game, Mark Miller Subaru. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru. It's the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Big thanks to you, Ben Anderson. It's always, uh, even when it's a tough night for the Jazz, it's always fun hanging out with you. Get a win Wednesday. And I'll have a chance.
That's right. the great thing about basketball. I mean, yeah. Jazz are two games over 500, and they play again in a couple of nights. They'll fix it. And Minnesota isn't playing particularly well either. They've so. lost five straight. And their defense has been horrendous. So it's we'll going to be a fun game. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, check out Ben's work, kslsports.com. Also, make sure you follow him on Twitter for his post-game write-ups of every Jazz game at Ben's Hoops. We'll talk to you on Wednesday when the Jazz take on the Timberwolves. Game will tip at 6. Pre-game begins at 5. And you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Network.